Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. In times like these, the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issue section, exclusively available for PW Torch VIP members, has become perhaps more valuable than ever. So many people are looking back at old wrestling events, whether it's watching great matches and great events from the past on ESPN or Fox, or whether it's diving into a streaming service such as WWE Network or otherwise, the Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter back issue section is a great companion. You can bring up the back issue from that date, covering that event contemporaneously, and read our coverage of the event and find out what we thought of it at the time. You can read about the build-up to the storylines. You can read about the fallout, our roundtable reviews, my match reports, my star ratings. So many of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, including all of WCW, WWF, WWE, and ECW events over the years, covered in the Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter back issues, along with some great international events. So check out VIP membership and read about past events, our coverage of past events, along with Torch Talk interviews dating back to the late 1980s with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest names, and cover stories and behind-the-scenes details and hard-hitting editorials. The PW Torch Back Issue section is currently covering the Monday Nitro reboot with Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff getting a second chance. You can read about how that didn't go well pretty much right out of the gate on a week-by-week basis as we post new back issues from 20 years ago this week in both PDF and all-text format. Gain access to over 1,500 back issues as soon as you go VIP, dating back from the late 1980s through this past week. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP to get details and sign up. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship, talking current events in pro wrestling. So it's a good week to have Bruce Mitchell on the flagship. Hammer and Grimes scores 
a tainted but big win, uh, televised win over Finn Balor on NXT on USA last night. A uh, little help from Damian Priest, but nevertheless, uh, 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 as Marl said, probably the biggest win of Cameron Grimes' career. You've been following his career from the beginning up close. Uh, Bruce, uh, I assume you were looking forward to that match. Did it uh, live up to your expectations? Great opponent in Finn Balor. And, and talk about uh, talk about Grimes a little bit and, and what this match uh, showed you. Well, I mean, it, what I was looking for was how he was going to be portrayed um, next to Finn Balor. Was he going to be, was he going to be, um, you know, meet to be fed to Finn Balor to, to have a TV segment and to move along Finn Balor, which is not the worst thing in the world, but, um, or was he going to continue to kind of rise? And of course they'd done a, you know, they'd done a, um, a little bit of an angle to set it up and, and, and all that and how he was going to be treated and, and also how he was going to wrestle with Finn Balor. Six and a half minute match, so it wasn't the longest match in the world, um, at, which I think is smart in, in, in um, or, you know, empty arena wrestling to, to keep it shorter. But um, I thought it was, it was definitely, you know, just looking at it as a Cameron Grimes person, as a, as a Trevor Lee person, and having watched him grow up in um, CWF. And, and, and also just the irony, Wade, of all those all those months for I think it was about five years going over to um, a strip mall and watching him in this little television studio that that is seated about 200 to 300 people. And then his biggest match on national television is front is in front of the smallest crowd I'd ever seen him in front of. You know, I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, I'm just like shaking my head going, you have told me that for the last five years, I knew he was going to be in the main stage sooner or later, but, um, you know, that was the irony of that. I mean, just the irony of it. But um, and, and how he would do up up against a Finn Balor uh, as far as the work. And I thought I thought he was really good. I, I was like, I thought he represented what represented what I'd seen and the people that he'd worked with really well. And um, back in the day. And then, um, you know, there was. I thought there was a lack of smoothness to the match. And I don't mean that things were missed at all. I thought, and I thought it was, um, you know, that it was Trevor, that it was um, Cameron Grimes who was responsible for that, where there was an aggressiveness to it. It came off a little more like a fight. It came off a little bit more um, with that. Now he's, he's having his rise and then Balor's on top of the promotion and Damian Priest is, um, you know, set up as the, um, you know, set up as his next opponent. And that's all good. That's all fine. And, um, but that was, this was the match where I've seen it before in NXT, but where I really had that taste of what, um, of what Cameron Grimes can do. It was a taste. It was a good taste of it. But as far as, you know, I've seen him at that pace working like that, working really well for an hour, more than once, and um, really keeping the match, you know, and and against a variety of, of, of workers. And But it's like, you know, are you – is he exposing who he is and getting a chance to do that? And then I also just think the hat's getting over. It's pissing people off. And um, his energetic promos are, are good too. So I was happy for him last night, and I was also, you know, for what I what I'd seen. And there's also the part with me where I'm always like this. I sat there and ran my mouth about this guy on Bruce Mitchell audio shows 
as I saw great matches and great things with him that other people didn't see. So was he going to be the quintessential minor league baseball player who's great in the minor leagues, gets to the major leagues and isn't so great. And, you know, and this is the most important thing. Do I look stupid? Exactly. You were more worried about your credibility than his career. Right. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it went hand in hand, but still. And so, and so I was happy in that sense. And then, I'm also, you know, gotten to know and and be friends with a lot of people in that promotion besides him. And um, I hear he doesn't like I you very much, but that's that's just a rumor. They were proud. Huh? I hear he doesn't like you very much, but that's just a rumor. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've never would be surprised by that. Very professional. But I mean, it's like, but yeah, who does? But I mean, I'm just, um, um. It was really cool. It was it was a good. I, I love that I tell a joke that has no basis, and you talk yourself into that. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> well, there is. I mean, actually, we did we did like settle that one time in a in a in a bar one night. But it was um. But yeah, it was always like. But it was always like we didn't talk. I didn't. I talked to his father. His like father some. It's like he knew what I thought, but he wasn't. Um, you know, he wasn't into um into into who I was or anything. He was doing his job and I, I could appreciate that. That was, that was fine. And, and I, there's still the mystery of why he and Meltzer don't get, didn't get along, but um, I never, I saw the two, I, I kind of put the two of them together in, in Chicago to see if I could find out. And um, they both denied it. So of course that means they really don't get along. But um, I, that, I just know cool. when I saw him at NXT a couple months back and, and he was uh, getting thrown to ringside and, and was down and out at ringside. And I just yelled, Bruce Mitchell says, hi, Boy, did he give me a nasty look. Uh, oh, so, I believe you. Yeah. I can believe you. So, yeah. That guy's <laughs> so, following me here? Oh, my God. Yeah. I yeah. can't get rid of that guy and his people. Yes. So, but no, it's like, I, I mean, I really think he's good. And I thought, like, that aggressiveness and that work that was that was right up there with Ballers. You know, and Ballers, one of the top, you know, wrestlers in the world. And then there was a, then there wasn't, sometimes you see the really good wrestlers have these matches that are, that are great matches, but they're almost too smooth. And that one didn't seem, that one seemed like a, Cam- like Cameron, grabs, Cameron, Cameron doesn't go for style points. He goes for, I want to make it look like I'm kicking somebody's ass. Right. And to me, that's what he should be. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and that, that lends itself to story that lends itself to telling stories in the ring. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's no doubt. And and then I, then even in this, you know, seeing him do diff, do have different opponents with different styles, and you know, heel and you know, um, you know, every kind of from chicken heel to um, you know, champion babyface. But you know, there's there's times I've seen him here in NXT where it's like he's putting somebody, he's making somebody else like Jakovic look really good, and that's the job, and that's what he did. And then with this one. He was doing that, but he was also, um, yeah, it was also m- making it a fight and a contest. And and he was the jerk who didn't deserve to win, didn't know what had happened behind him, but took advantage of it and didn't care and and won the match and then acted like he'd, um, you know, conquered the world where really he had, you know, he had cheat, you know, he had been given a, a, a win. And that's a great, you know, that's a, that fits his, um, that fits character he's playing right now. And he did a good, you know, he did a good um, promo afterwards, kind of celebratory with, with, with some energy to it. And it's also, you know, we talked about this a lot, but also the challenge of how do you do th- things 
without the crowd? How do you talk? How do you, um, how do you wrestle? How do you do that? And I, I thought that, um, I thought Balor and he did fine with that. And Damian. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What is what is Cameron Grimes' upside in NXT uh, based on where you think he should go? And then where do you what track do you think he's on? Is it any different? And explain why. Because some of the things you're saying about Cameron Grimes are old school. And I don't know if they're in defiance of the style point era where people are looking for cheers and this is awesome chance. I can't imagine Cameron Grimes would go backstage after a match and smile and tell someone, man, it felt great to get a this is awesome chant. Because that is not what he's going for. Um, he's going for tr- traditional heat and the drama of fans getting invested in the story of the match. Do you, am I right on that? Yeah, but I don't see him as as an old school, as a traditional style. Whether you're listening to me and going, well, Bruce is like 150 years old and you know loves wrestling from 1971 or something. Um, that's which is not. I do and I don't, you know, I like good stuff from anywhere, but um, it's, I don't see him as that because he's always been able to keep up with the, the, the top workers and, and to do that type of match. He doesn't, and it's a better style. I think that, that wrestlers have figured out that the, it, this is awesome. Chant is a, is a boutique that you can um, make some money at, at the right show, but it's not something that you want to, that you want to keep going with. It's not going to put you in that position of, of doing what wrestling is and wrestling is telling those stories. And so to me, you know, first I'll start with Cameron Grimes to me is on that, um, on that medium rise. That's not, it's not slow, but it's not fast. It's not, he shows up and he's not, he's not his, you know, his brother, Keith. I mean, it's like he does Trevor and Keith. I mean, he doesn't show up, um, and kick ass, and then he's right at the top. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's something good about that. There's certain there's certain performers that should just that should just show up new and fresh and kill. And then there's other performers who should, um, you know, show up in the mid card and stay there. And then there's some that um, you should get to know. And and I think this is what's going on with him is he's showing a little bit more of what he can do each time, but he hasn't shown, um, he hasn't shown the full, the full book yet or even close to it. And so there's other places that he can go. And while he's, you know, while he, he's climbing a ladder, I don't see him doing 50, 50 stuff. Now, if he, now next week, Finn Balor goes out there and beats him in, in, in nine minutes 
and there's no interference. And then Damian Priest comes out and, and has a confrontation with, um, you know, with, with Balor. And there's not really another place for, um, for Grimes to go. But if Grimes goes somewhere else and Finn Balor goes, and then later on, you've got this rematch, you know, you've got Finn Balor, the, the, the legendary babyface, the, the, the top guy who um, needs to get you needs to beat, you know, who needs to beat Cameron Grimes. And you can go somewhere with that later to me. If like they rematch it in 50, 50 booking immediately, then it just, you know, it was okay, but it's not great for either one. It's not great for either one of them. Um, but if Balor goes on for revenge against priest and has this time, you know, and, and has a good, program of priest and then grimes is grimes is moving up again then that's a good thing but 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 i also think that that there's no reason and it showed tonight in nxt that grimes can't be at the can't be in the heavyweight championship um you know nxt um thing i mean it's like either as a baby face or as a heel and working through and be at the top and be at the top of there. And also, um, you know, developing everything and, and doing that in raw or SmackDown. Like right now, I, I, right now I still see the guy that I've always seen, which is in the right circumstances. And a lot of wrestlers are like this. And, you know, the circumstances are worse now for the wrestlers. There's a lot of great wrestlers who can, you know, in, in the right circumstance could do really well. And you can look at, um, you know, you can look at the guys on Raw and SmackDown and you can look at, um, you know, and, and do fine with, you know, and see examples of it. But it's, um, but yeah, I think that, I, I think that, I think that Grimes keeping himself um, moving and, and doing a good job and all that. I mean, I think he's got all the potential. Yeah. I think you saw, and I was really happy to see like that showed some of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was happy about it. It, it wasn't like, Oh my, I didn't sit there and watch that and go, Oh my God, they should cancel SmackDown and then, um, and, and put him on the, and, and put him on the top and bring, until Brock Lesnar comes back and then have him beat Brock Lesnar. And he's the, the face of WWE or whatever, you know, it's like, I, I didn't look at it like that. I just looked at it like, Okay, he's um, you know, he's not being held back. He's 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 right there. I'm Rich Fan, host of the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Ernie Ladd? We got you. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, well, let's uh, pause, set the table, introduce ourselves. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Thursday flagship edition for May 14th, 2020. I'm Wade Keller, host of the program, and I am joined by Pro Wrestling Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell. Uh, Bruce, welcome back to the co-host chair here on the flagship. Good to be back. Yeah, uh, a lot to talk about. I uh, hope uh, if you enjoy hearing Bruce today, you'll, you'll consider becoming a VIP member. You can hear 15-plus years of the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. He and Zach Hadorn, uh, with Zach Hadorn hosting the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show uh, Mailbag uh, podcast on a weekly basis. That's uh, just fantastic to see up and running again. Zach's doing a great job. The listeners are doing a great job with great questions. And Bruce, you're doing okay. Yeah, well, you know what? If Zach does a good job, if Zach does a great job, and we keep getting these kind of questions, then pretty much all that's left is for me to go in there with his leg drop. I mean, and that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Though, it, but I, it's been a fun show, and it's been really cool because um, you get to talk about a lot of different things in wrestling, you know, the current stuff, and then also history stuff, and, and you know, and kind of the wild stories from the past. And so I, I'm yes. all for it. And, and, Zach and there's, is, there's Zach is right on it. That's the thing. I mean, there's almost nobody better to be hosting that type of show than Zach because he he his his intellect and curiosity his base of knowledge and his thirst for more and his intense listening with on occasion, Bruce, the chance to ask a follow-up um, is, uh, yeah. is, is really, really good. Um, and so it's, it's a fun dynamic and it lets you flex your muscles in a way that, that just about nobody, I mean, I, I don't think anybody else can do what you do the way that you do it in terms of that, uh, the strong point of view mixed with the historical knowledge and just the recall. I mean, I'm jealous of your, um, of your of your uh, memory recall uh on uh that's on... hilarious because I'm, I'm i mean i am getting older and like there are things where i'm just like okay am i am i forgetting because i'm tired or, but i'm also like you know every year that you watch wrestling there are new wrestlers and <laughs> yes. new names and yeah. new you know and, and with the technology changing over the years it's like if you went through and made a list of 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 names that i have butchered and and so many different cultures and countries doing this, it's you know it it, it would that, really be embarrassing. No, and and granted, I, I will I'll modify my compliment a little bit. I'm not impressed with your recall of what happened last week. I'm impressed with your recall no, of what happened of what happened yeah. 20 years ago and 30 years ago, and every book you've read and your ability to recall you know the 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 key points of of those things. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's. I want yeah. it to be a genuine compliment, but I also and, want to be a real. And I always say, like in, in life, and, and this is like I do struggle with last week. I always have in certain ways, but I, but I'm good at putting together big picture stuff. And I think of myself as a student of wrestling, and so I'm trying to like understand wrestling as a whole. And so, okay, where does this puzzle piece fit in? And oh, I didn't know that. Oh, or, or or someone said this. Well, that doesn't fit with what I already knew, and that's where I'm interested. And that's where sometimes Zach and I know you don't ever have to do this, but um, it, it's a good thing if people just go, "Bruce, shut up for a second, so I can stop here and, and get where well, you're going." Well, that's that's the other 
that's the other that's the other good thing about Zach is you don't just plow through him. You, you like him enough that if he does choose to interrupt, you don't immediately in your mind go, "Why is this idiot interrupting me?" You go, "Oh, this must be important and worthwhile." So that that helps too. Yeah, so far I do. <laughs> yeah, get ready, Zach. It doesn't last long. Okay, um, how can people follow you on Twitter? Because I know you're very active on Twitter. At MitchellPWTorch.com. And, um, okay, just that is, ch- that I, that's like saying, oh my God, I did it wrong again. <laughs> it's, God, it's, speaking of memory, like, and that wasn't a joke. That was, yeah. No, I know. So what is it? Let's see if you can at, say it. At MitchellPWTorch. Correct. And granted, it is muscle memory of when you say PWTorch, following with dot com is, is ingrained in you for 20 years of the website being around, 20 plus years. But nevertheless, it was still funny. Still, I should get that. And, and, you know, I should say that um, between quarantine and changes in my own life, it's like you never know where I'm going to be up there or not up there. And um, I do try to I do try to comment on stuff as it comes through. So um, lots of. um, Yeah, enjoy Twitter. It's been fun. Some of Pro Wrestling's best podcasts are VIP exclusive, and you can go VIP and find out why we have been supported by paid subscribers for over 30 years with our exclusive top shelf content, including Pro Wrestling Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell with the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. I usually host that program, although he has a variety of guest hosts with different themes and unmatched historical insight, but primarily providing insight and hard-hitting analysis and opinion on what today's news means. Also, The Fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek, Todd and I sit down for two and a half, three and a half hours with analysis of the latest TV shows and major events from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and many others. Plus, he'll keep you up to date on what just happened in the world of MMA, USC, Bellator, and more, and what's coming up the following weekend. Plus, book reviews, reviews of documentaries, and so much more comprehensive coverage of the worldwide pro wrestling scene. And then the unmatched mailbag segment. This is one of the highlights of the week in the pro wrestling podcast world. I know I sound like I'm exaggerating, but this is great stuff. The the fixed listeners provide fantastic questions, and Todd delivers every week. You will learn, you will think, and you will appreciate professional wrestling on another level when you go VIP. And that includes Bruce and Todd joining me for post-pay-per-view roundtables following WWE and AEW pay-per-view events where we spend roughly an hour, sometimes longer, breaking down the pay-per-view. As soon as it ends, we are recording that podcast, and within about 90 minutes, it's available for VIP members on our VIP-exclusive podcast feed. All the VIP shows are available on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. No ads, no plugs on the VIP exclusives, and we remove the plugs and ads from the free shows that also show up on the VIP podcast feed sometimes sooner then the general public has access to them. That's just scratching the surface. Go check out full details on VIP benefits, including retro radio shows from the early to late 1990s, our podcast dating back to the mid-2000s, back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, over 1,600 of them, and so much more. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Join the ranks of the most well-informed and most entertained pro wrestling fans with the best podcast lineup anywhere. Go VIP and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed also. A huge bonus. PWTorchVIPInfo.com. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, very good. So, um, one more NXT question. Well, actually, two more NXT questions, and then I want to move to definitely some other topics, including the uh, the Road Warrior, um, the uh, uh, Dark Side of the Ring Road Warrior special a couple days ago. Uh, that I'm I'm very good to talk with you about. But the uh, NXT question: Finn Balor as a centerpiece top star is, I think, one a good use of Finn Balor there because I think he has an abundance of opponents that are around his size or a little smaller where it totally works for him to be a centerpiece top act. And I know he had an injury derail a, a, a big push out of the gate for him on, on the main roster, as it has been called, and we'll probably continue to call it for a while. Uh, but I think NXT is a better fit for him, and I think it's a good use of him, as long as Vince McMahon isn't going to use him really well and believe in him and get behind him on Raw or SmackDown. I think NXT is a good place for him, and I think it's, a good, it's good to have somebody like Finn Balor working with a lot of the NXT names, including people like Cameron Grimes, I think it's a really good fit. I want them to really solidify who he who he's going to be, what he stands for, and how the average casual viewer of NXT, that NXT needs to grow that casual viewership. What should they think about him? Why do they identify with him? Why are they rooting for or against him? And they're on a journey with that right now, and certainly Damian Priest hitting him uh, and interfering and him being uh, attacked and different, you know, the, that's fr- framing him in a certain way, but I still don't think they are where they need to be with him. If he's going to be a, a, a top three, top four, top six guy who is main eventing pay-per-views, uh, your thoughts on that Bruce? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree in the sense of that he was not used well or, or that kind of way in, in the other two rosters. And so now, um, bringing him back here, it, it's he has to be used in a way where he's really um, what he does works for him, and that he's um, that he's right there, either about to be the champion or um, the champion in NXT, and that he's not um, he's not used just to to fill television time. That that you should be here's and. and and you know DX was like this, and and, and stop wrestling stars are like this. They're used in a way where if they show up, pay attention, because something something's going to happen with some impact in some way. And that's um, with that. I was really happy to see that they didn't go too long. They didn't go for weeks with the mystery of 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 who attacked him in his dressing room. And um, because I thought that that show was not a good NXT show, I I thought of of the 
in the time since it's been on, um, you know, since it's been on cable television and, and probably in the time that's had its own show, I thought that it was the weakest, a week ago was the weakest book show that they'd had and having, you know, getting, having people kidnapped, having, having Finn Balor disappear from his main event match and then not really following through with it. It's like, go ahead and get, you know, go ahead and get priest in there. And, and like, he's the one. And the mystery is why is he after him? And then now what's, um, you know, like the move is uh, the next move is, is, um, Balor's and, and getting him there. But if Balor, Balor can talk. He has the charisma. He has the the star power. You know, a, a incredible wrestler. And then, you know, they haven't um, used the they haven't used the demon. Um, thank goodness, because they were using it in the wrong times. But but if NXT can really do a good job of building to an appearance by the demon, that's that's. Um, important that's a reason why not just hey finn balor can't beat him so he's got to turn into the demon um i i think that helps too that's a card that can be played and you know it, it's going to be interesting I, I thought they did a good job with this um a big part of finn balor before in wwe all through wwe and nxt was the entrance and was the music and all that well circumstances dictate that you can't do that right now and so um, having him, I liked it. Like, you know, the camera shot was him right up as a star, right in your face, close up and not wandering through an empty arena doing the um, as good as that music is. It's not good. It's not appropriate at that time. And um, I think part of the, I think one of the things is, is with empty arena shows is to um, is to make the arena smaller where the lights are, the amount of amount of space and the space between you and the, and, and the wrestler, um, as far as the viewer at home, make, make that space closer and more intimate. And, um, and I think they're, they're doing that with it, but yeah, I mean, I think he has to be, you know, he, he should be the legendary NXT figure champion. And I, I think they're starting to not starting to, but they've referred to him like that. And that's, that's a good idea. Um, every, you know, every company, should have its legends, you know, should have its, um, you know, th that's involved in what's going on right now, but um, has something of a, and next he's been around long enough, it has something of a heritage. And so um, if he doesn't fit, you know, it might be what they're paying him is worth, is worth, um, they can get more out of it by, by helping him help that brand than um, being, you know, 50, 50 and the other two brands. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The age factor for Finn Balor is worth bringing up, too. He's going on 39 years old this summer. And, you know, he, he seems just, you know, great in terms of his, his still being a world-class athlete and doesn't seem aging out and certainly his schedule everyone's schedule is lightening up because there aren't house shows and match lengths are shorter and and all that but um you 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 want to utilize Finn Balor differently because of his age than you do a Cameron Grimes or Adam Cole and and Balor can be utilized as a legend who's accomplished a lot and beating him or just hanging with him for 10 minutes like Grimes did uh before beating him in a tainted way but just hanging with him for nearly 10 minutes um, is it, you want that to count for something as you're trying to create new stars on that brand. So that's good. Um, Timothy Thatcher, just quick thoughts on, on him. Cause he's jumped out to me as having a, I think a, a marketable look and personality opposite of Matt Riddle that I'm, I'm more intrigued by than I thought when he seemed like, well, uh, you know, circumstantial substitution for the fun stuff that they were doing with Pete Dunne. Yeah, I like Thatcher. Thatcher has um, what we were talking about a little bit with Grimes, which was he and he has more of it. That rough hewn. He looks like he would hurt you and he has the attitude of it. And his he's not um, he's not all star. Uh, You know, he's got hair on his chest. He's he looks like a fighter. He doesn't look he looks more like an MMA fighter than he does look than he looks like um, a guy who's going to come through wrestling and be a Hollywood star. And you need you know, you need that guy, but you also need Thatcher's too. And um and, and that he, you know, is the type, you know, is the type of personality that isn't going to be fun loving, that isn't going to put up with um with Matt Riddle and, or is it going to have the patience that he should have in that, in this case? I mean, that's what, you know, he was a jerk. I mean, it was like, he didn't, he, you know, he walked away and didn't hold up his, his end of the fight. Um, you know, you could have the, you know, you can have the fun loving guy and then the serious guy and they can be a good team, but you also, you know, but this one, like they, they did a good job and, and I was happy too. Cause I think Riddle's, um, 
Riddle's the new star and ahead of Grimes in that um, he's the new star that should be um, at the top of the top of the game in NXT. Um, not the star of the heritage, but um, who, who you're really getting to getting to see one of those guys with, with Lee, too. And and um, and so they had their time together as a um, tag team and they were the tag team champions. So they were in the spotlight and it seemed important. And then Imperium winning and and Riddle like continuing to fight. And not just and continuing to try to to try to hold on to those tag championships, even though his partner you know betrayed him, because it's worth being the tag team champions. Too many times in in wrestling and and you know in the last years it's been um, someone giving up the chance to be a champion because of something going on. You know that his you know the girlfriend getting up on the ring apron. And then they stop fighting, and they're looking at the girl, at, at, at the girl, even though they're fighting for a championship. It's like that kind of thing. Like I, I thought that that was that was better booking, and it made it seem, and it made the betrayal because you know he took the you know because Riddle took the beating. It made the betrayal even more even worse. And um, I wasn't really sure about turning around that fast and giving Thatcher that quick of a promo and then having that be the main event. But I but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fatal thing. I thought this was, I thought it made for a theme during the show. And that it, by the end of the show, Thatcher, Thatcher was one of the people that um, and real too. But Thatcher was one of the people that came out of this better. Imperium came out of it better, um, you know. Damian Priest and and like you could there's like six or seven people that made progress, um and and some of them lost you know made progress as far as their characters and where they're going were on this NXT show. The the uh, having Thatcher say hey I want to be tag champ but if I, it's not worth it I got to be a tag champ with this fool uh, yeah. is is you know you're acknowledging what happened and you're establishing that Thatcher. And Riddle being an odd couple tag team and not getting along was precarious. And Thatcher had a certain limit to what he would put up with. And there was only so much he could take. So that his overreaction to what seemed happenstance, you know, the monkey flip that knocked him off the ring apron or not being there for a tag when something else was going on. You I understand- like happenstance, too. I liked that it wasn't, it wasn't that... The, the wrong guy didn't do the wrong thing. It was just something that, just something that normally, you know, particularly as a championship tag team, um, you you would you would just go, okay, that's just something to happen, and we still got important things. But the fact that he was so brittle, the overreaction, the fact, you know, it's like you need you needed to not, you know, to not like because Thatcher could have gone to um, Riddle in, in a real life situation if they were. You know, if they were um, the doubles champions at Wimbledon and gone, look, um, I'm not enjoying this team and let's, you know, let's split up or something like that. He didn't. He he acted like a child. And that makes him more of a he that makes him villainous. And it, may, it, it gives the you know, it, the fact that the immature guy really is stature and not Chris Riddle. He did not immature, even though Matt Riddle, he's, yeah. you know, he's silly and, and and high and all the rest of it. But when it comes down to it, he's business. And when it came down to it, what Thatcher didn't like was he thought he wasn't, you know, he's like complaining about it not being business and Thatcher wasn't business. So yeah. that that dichotomy, I thought, was really smart. Yes. Yep. What is uh, does Thatcher have? 
an upside in terms of what you're seeing. Uh, he is so you know he's he's the man uh, among boys in a way in terms of his his body, his attitude, his no nonsense approach. I, I'm just because of the dynamic with Riddle. I I don't think Thatcher should just be seen as like a transitionary thing. I, I would I would continue to kind of go with this and see if you can't turn him into a valuable, um, you know, semi main event player and, and see where that goes. Yeah, I agree because one of the things you want to do if you're thinking Riddle, you know, if you're thinking um, Riddle, Matt Riddle is a as a star and his personality appeals to uh, you know appeals to fans and. And also how good he is appeals to him, and then just you know letting him be. You want that. You want the guy who's con- a contrast to that, and you want a guy who's not like that. Um, you know who you don't like, and is making it hard and giving, you know, and giving Riddle somebody to challenge. And and everything you talked about how um, how he's different. You know how he's different from how Thatcher is different from the rest of the rest of the um, NXT roster. That's in his favor, and it also helps the rest of the NXT roster. I, I look at WWE, and I look at wrestling a lot, but I look at WWE, and there seems to be a lot of guys um, and younger who have the same look, who have the same who have the same hair, who have the same kind of costuming and all that. So if you can stand out and and be yourself and, 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 and also be yourself, not so much your costuming or your gimmick. Um, I think that's a better thing. So yeah, I think that, I think Thatcher should be more than just a stepping stone for, for riddle onto something else. Aloha torch faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! All right, uh, let's uh, let's shift gears here. Dark Side of the Ring as uh, season two. Uh, they've had a number of documentaries. Uh, uh, you did uh, your, your you did a recent review a couple weeks ago on uh, what was the subject on the one that you did a dedicated show to? We did um, Dark Side of the Ring with um, with New Jack. That was real. I mean, that I had a lot of stuff. <laughs> like that was we, like, we did a show on that. Yeah. A lot of that. You and I did that one, and yep. then there was um, Doctor D. David Schultz. That's it. Yep, we did that with with. So, so you know, yeah. that was cool too. I mean, that was like Dr. You know, Dr. D and there was a lot of kind of taking things and putting them into better context with that one. So, yeah. um, I thought that was interesting, but I also thought, um, you know, some things that didn't get it. We got it. Dan and I got into some things that didn't get there as far as like what happened to, to David Schultz and what happened to his career. And I look back on that stuff and go, he played it wrong. Even if you say, you know, you really shouldn't slap, you really shouldn't slap members of the media without telling them or whatever, you know, it's like that was that wasn't smart. But then I'm for that how rule. He played everything else wasn't wasn't very smart either. I'm for that rule, by the way. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> um, so oh, with me, 
with me. I'm with that room for me for sure. Yeah. Well, but uh, this week's Dark Side of the Ring was on the Road Warriors. Well, how did they? How do you think they did in terms of chronicling their career and the influence that they had at that time? The Road Warriors are one of the most influential acts in the history of this industry. I mean, they they were they went up against the uh, a traditionalist promoter. Uh, attitude about amateur wrestling background and selling and but boy I was among those people who I saw the pictures in the magazine and I couldn't get enough and when they came to the AWA and I got to see them in their prime um, I was buying tickets and I wanted to see that those guys fight but in a way they also had a scorched earth policy I I wrote about this in the Pursing Torch newsletter um, that you know they they didn't leave territories better off uh, than they entered. They didn't leave promotions or rosters stronger after they left than than when they arrived. They they got over for a lot of reasons, but in part at the expense of some of the established talent who were left after the Road Warriors left. Um, and then you have all these copycats since, uh, none of whom came close to the Warriors. So anyway, uh, what what was your take on on where Dark Side of the Ring focused and if they got it right uh, in their telling of the story of the Warriors? I thought this was one of the better dark side of the rings. I thought this was really good. And I, I thought that it really did a, a great job of using the, the, the granny bees, um, you know, the club that was dear where all the bouncers were with Eddie Sharkey that became this generation of star wrestlers. And, um, and while they didn't focus as much on the steroids as maybe I, I, I would have, it was definitely part of that. But um, by having, you know, by, by having Crusher Khrushchev, by having um, Barry Darsaw and having Nikita Koloff and, 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 and even Eddie Sharkey telling the story of, of the Road Wars and particularly of Animal talking about Hawk, they did a very good job of, of what happened and what happened to Hawk and because of what happened and because of the choices Hawk made and where he lost control of his life. Um, how that how that impacted the road wars, and it also made me go back and go, you know, for all the talk of 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 tag teams now, of the young bucks and kind of a renaissance of tag teams, um, and how the best tag teams were the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, and 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 this and, and that, and I always throw in Steamboat and Youngblood, but the biggest star team was the Road Warriors. Like, you know, like they were the last of the headlining main event tag teams. And they were the first of them, too, in certain ways of, of that era. You just couldn't, you know, that the, and I thought the um, I thought Dark Side of the Ring and, and Paul Ellering, you have to definitely talk about Paul Ellering, um, you know, Paul Ellering talking about booking them. The world was their territory and booking them in the different companies and because everybody wanted to see them. There was a road warrior pop. You wanted to see whether they were bad guys or good guys. You wanted to see them come to the ring to um you know to the you know to their music to Black Sabbath and kick a bunch of ass and all that. And and then there was the problem after afterwards of what do you do with them because they weren't they weren't good at selling and they really would have they really would have had a longer run, I think, at top. And they had a long run at top, don't get me wrong. But if wrestling, if they'd come along 10 years earlier and could have been like Andre the Giant or a touring, you know, world champion, where they hit your territory, you know, caused the Road Warrior pop, caused all this chaos, 
and then left before you got tired of seeing them just dominate. And, and that, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was some of the problem with them, but I, I think it really did. And there were, you know, there were certain things that I thought, you know, one of the things that was incredible about them was that, that they didn't really cover. And I understand why Dork Side of the Ring is part of the generational thing, but they're wrong to do this. They're not really good on the history. They still are kind of, you know, that everything, that it counts more if it happened in WWF. And that's not necessarily the case as far as like what major league wrestling was and is. And, 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 and WWF and WWE certainly are there for that. But it was, you know, that the Georgia Championship Wrestling had been major league wrestling and then there was a fall. And, you know, you have an hour to tell this stuff. So I, I think that's part of it, too. And then, and then Ole Anderson just needed talent. He needed somebody that he could, that he could train to do what he wanted them to do and pay them on the cheap as they were learning their craft and also put them on top. And he took these two guys and he, um, and he kept them in a very, um, you know, narrow window of what they were. And they went out, you know, and they went out and they and just had them destroy, you know, people on television. The Mulkies were, you know, you can sit there and talk about the Mulkies and, and WCW. But one of the things the Mulkies did was to put over the Road Warriors so well, you know, like and, and these 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 little guys would get killed by the Road Warriors and um, and how they kind of learned from being on top of the promotion and being the champions. And there were some mistakes done with that, but how. And they did a pretty good job of talking about how their how their imagery changed and how they did a good job of the makeup. But that was, you know, that was part of it. And then I thought they did a good job of this, but you can't really like look at those two and go, um, you know, they talked about them being equals in certain ways, but they weren't. They were a team and and Animal was good about, you know, the guy that was the stop was Animal, but the star really was Hawk. And nobody had a better body charisma to me than Hawk. And I'm talking about Lex Luger. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. I'm talking about, you know, just those traps. And then the way he presented himself and he was a great promo and he was, a, he was a, in his physical prime, he was a hell of a wrestler to the point where there was that talk of, you know, Jim Crockett, when Jim Crockett got his own promotion after leaving, TBS, Jim Crockett and Paul Heyman both wanted to to do a promotion, you know, and tried to do a television promotion and their own promotion where based out of Dallas, where Hawk would be the number one babyface. Yeah, and some of that was the availability of Hawk at that time, and it was, but But it wasn't. It wasn't a crazy thought at the time when they were floating that. I I would say that the feeling with Hawk that he didn't prove is from a ring work standpoint. Would, would he be able to – and it was a concern even then. I mean, it would be more so now is can he have main event style matches? Now, had they move, had, had, had fans in the industry moved past uh, a kind of a simple formulaic Hulk Hogan style main event and, and could Hawk have adjusted? And I think that's a legit question to ask. But promo-wise, charisma-wise, there was a lot to work with there. And, and I get why – I remember talking to Paul Heyman about it at the time – he was just, you know, when Paul gets behind someone, he he becomes, you know, like he is with Brock Lesnar on TV. He'll do that on a private phone call. And that's how it was about Hawk. He really had high hopes for him. But Hawk was definitely the single star of the two, if someone was going to be. 
And then I thought what was really good and really honest was just that Hawk was the wild man and that um, Animal was, you know, no shrinking violet, but Animal would go home and not go home, but go to the hotel and go to sleep and get up and work out where Hawk was out in the night all the time. And, um, and in Japan, you know, the Yuzuka, the, um, Japanese mafia, you know, loved him and would take him. And that meant he was, had access to the best drugs and he had access to the, um, um, and then, you know, when you're taking that amount of steroids, that's going to cause heart problems. That's going to cause, and you add the recreational things. And I can remember as, um, a fan in the, in 88 or yeah, I would say 88, um, and seven and 1987, um, you know, he was starting to miss work. He was starting to, um, you know, he was starting to not pass, um, th- you know, the, the brief little physicals they give them for like blood pressure and things. He would miss, um, shows because of that. And, um, and he was having, you know, problems. And then, you know, that, that point where that Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard had that, um, that, um, that, um, you know, the Midnight Express had, Dennis Condry had, he just had to leave with Bobby Eaton. And um, that, you know, that the, these these legendary tag teams have, well, one of them, they're sick of the other. And so, um, it, and so Animal having that moment with Hawk and having it be at the SummerSlam in London, um, where they got, their match got changed because Hawk was so inebriated, was so messed up. And it wasn't inebriation, but it was, you know, there's always this temptation to go, well, what, what really was the cause? Was it alcohol or was it steroids or was it this or was it that? And it's like a lot of times it's this synergy, this negative synergy, all these things. And with Hawk, he was, he was like that. And then, you know, you take this guy who's already going to be on edge because of, you know, physically how he's getting to be that physical. And then, and he doesn't have to back down to anybody. Like, you know, he had problems with Randy Savage, you know, in a fight he had, um, you know, he was kind of, you know, I can remember like watching him at ringside and hearing stories and watching him react to people sometimes at ringside and going, you know, this is not somebody, this is not somebody you want to take too far, you know, even verbally. And, um, and so he's, he was getting worse and, um, you know, really having a a hard time. And then I was glad that they showed, in 1998, um, when WWE booked him to have these problems in the ring, it was the, you know, it was the um, attitude, let's use everything behind the scenes. And they really humiliated him. And it was, you know, he did it. And, and, and Animal has that, you know, this is wrestling and you've got to do it. But really, there's no reason to do it except to humiliate him. I mean, there, was, there wasn't any kind of match. There wasn't a draws match. Draws the, the um, Road Warrior versus, versus Hawk that they were going to have. It was just, let's put something on television that's shocking every moment. And, um, and also, there was just the contempt for the talent. And I was glad to see that in the sense of that really, I hated it when it happened. And um, it wasn't that it wasn't that Hawk wasn't um, uh, responsible for a lot of his own problems. He was. And it wasn't. But it was just to exploit somebody like that 
you know, who's really having a tough time and make them go out there and stick their nose in, in it so much. Um, it, you know, it, it, I had the same feeling watching the other, the other day, but, um, and they did have the, you know, they did have that he was able to, um, you know, I can remember the last couple of times I saw him on indie shows and and, and that kind of thing around here. And he wasn't, you know, you know, they, they weren't who they were and why they, you know, and why they, you know, they had, they didn't really fit WWE either. I mean, it was just, you know, because they were, you know, they were um, this explosion of energy and fighting that was there. And then they had to be kind of calmed down. And it was funny to me too. They talked about how Hawk came up with the name of the Legion of Doom from the Masters of the Universe cartoon. He watched Masters of the Universe cartoon all the time. And he would, um, and that he suggested that because Vince didn't want to have any more warriors. He'd already had the modern day war. He'd already had um, the ultimate warrior, even though the road wars are the first of the, of the, of the name, the warriors, they weren't the first in WWF. And so he wanted another name to go by. And it was, um, it was the Legion of doom. And I'm laughing, watching Paul Ellering tell him that. And, and, and animal telling him that because the Legion of doom was precious. Paul Ellering's heel um, click. That with, had with Jake, Jake Roberts, Robert, King Kong Bundy, yeah, huh? Yeah. King Kong Bundy, it had King Kong Bundy and the yeah. spoiler in it that the Road Warriors joined. It was the and they had that name as a secondary name the whole time. It was Road Warrior, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, or the Road Warriors. You know, so that like kind of made me laugh. But I mean, as far as like mistakes or historic mistakes, I don't think that was um, you know anything that like ruined the rest of it. And I thought they did a really good job of, of what the personal cost of living like that was. And then that he had that, you know, Nikita Koloff is an evangelist and, and you know, that, um, that Hawk had um, found religion and found Christianity and was calmer and his body, you know, at the age of 46, he was moving into a new house w- with a new life and a new wife and, you know, his fiance and, and just went to lie down and, his body gave out and that's what that's also what can happen you know very much so if you you know if you put your body through um you know all these things recreational drugs with peds with with um you know just physicality and travel and put a strain on everything it can cost you years off of your life and it did for him and the fact that he had a little bit of time of you know, of, of peace and calmness was a good thing, but still it, it was one of those, um, you know, it was one of those things. And then you just look at those bouncers at Granny B's, Rick Rude and, and, and Hennig and, um, you know, and, and they had Scott Norton in this too, who was one of them. And Norton looked like, looked older than his age. You know, he looked, and he was pretty blunt about it, that he had his share of damage too. So you look at, you know, it's all, one of the things with wrestling is, um, it's a physical sport. It's a physical performance, and it's going to, and that takes a toll on you. And is is the toll worth? Is the sacrifice worth? Is the risk worth the reward? And this was one, you know, one of the top stars of the '80s, and and to me, the probably the top star tag team of my lifetime. And um, was it worth it? And I don't know. You know, like again, I'm left. I'm left with that. I'm left with positives and negatives.
Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information at PWTorchDailyCast.com. The, uh, the idea that, like, to me, the Road Warriors' career relevance dropped drastically. And from a percentage standpoint, the story of the Road Warriors is 70 to 90% pre-WWE. Like, I mean, yes. if, if you live through the entire Road Warrior career, you look at WWE, WWF as an asterisk that is them at a, as a shell of their former self with Hawk turning into whether it was a journeyman or uh, a, in, uh, the Road Warriors were a softer act selling spiked gear to kids. And they were no people who saw the Road Warriors that their whole career to look at that as like a significant, as the more significant part of their careers is very WWF centric and incredibly inaccurate. The, the story wow. of the Road Warriors burned intense and relatively quick, but four five plus years not you know seventy to maybe ninety some percent of their relevance and their story occurred before they stepped foot onto a WWF TV show with the uh, Legion of Doom name and and those cartoonish spikes. So, um, and if we're yeah. saying with those guys um, because we're in a different generation, they were a money draw. In other words, if you had a show, um, a wrestling show, and it didn't have the Road Warriors on it, it would draw a certain amount. If you had that exact same show and it did have the Road Warriors on it, it was going to draw significantly more just because they were on it, and and that they were they were that team, and that's that the top stars in in wrestling throughout the history of wrestling are like that, and they were you know they were like that. Oh my God, the Road Warriors are going to be here. Are the Road Warriors on this show? And that five years of when they were really burning. You know, burning bright. Not the time when they're not the time when you know Hawk is is um, with Sasaki doing the Hellraisers in Japan, and they were they were a team, you know, or, or, or that kind of thing. But yeah, it was it was they didn't quite fit what WWE was, and um, and so and they weren't going to they were they were going to be a top tag team, but they weren't going to be a top act. And then and then anywhere else they went. You know, for example, this is a small example, but when they made when they made an appearance in Memphis, Tennessee, they, you know, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler put them immediately on top of the show versus Jerry Lawler, King of Memphis and Austin Idol. You know, it's like there was no and, and, and didn't even put them in with Bill Dundee. It's like that was the top team and had them and they drew like immediately because everybody, you know, wanted to see them. And, and the, the thing that you couldn't figure out was. How to get them to show? Um, 
how to get them to show vulnerability without being Superman, without losing that Superman aura, and it was impossible to do. And you know, if you kept them in the same place forever, it it turned into something else. And then just it's not something that's wrong with WWF back then, but it's um it's you know it wasn't it wasn't that type of violent place. And you need to have them in the imagination that they were going to have that type of violence. And, yeah, there wasn't just, an edge to them in WWE and Vince didn't embrace the edge that, 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 that intensity and the edge that Hawk and animal had at their best. And, you know, I, I just, I still remember them popping up from Jerry Lawler's pile driver in Memphis and just shaking my head in disbelief that Lawler would even let that happen. Cause the road words are going to come and go. And that pile driver is going to be Lawler's money ticket to be, uh, you know, that had to have credibility. <laughs> Now, if anyone was going to pop up from a pile driver, it'd be a guy with Hawks trapezoids. But still, I didn't, I didn't like that. Right, and and you know they put over as the ultimate deadly thing the pile driver all those years, and with you know that that that's what Jerry Lawler as the number one um, hero would use as the last resort nuclear weapon, and Lawler was the one to tell him to do that, and Lawler was the one that came up with that, and it did, you know, it was one of those things where used with discretion could have had a longer life, but it got copied and then it just, you know, it killed off the pile driver. And it was like, you'd be at a show and, and see sting do it, um, do that in the middle of the match, in the middle of the match with the four horsemen. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, it was a pop. No doubt about it. And it was like, you know, God, you know, it was like, how do you have that strong a neck to like come straight up and, and, not even, you know, and like bounce like that, but it wasn't anywhere near as effective. But yeah, that was a, that was a major thing. They were, um, you know, that was a, a, you know, you had, you know, told this story before, but you had the bruiser and the crusher in the AWA, the, um, the road warrior like tag team for the last two or three generations before that, but older guys, you know, close to 50 and all muscle at 50 years old and they didn't sell and do anything. And then when, when the warriors went up there as young men and looked at them and said, you know, we're not selling for them. And also picked them up and threw them down and got them off their feet and threw them, threw them down to see those old men like recover from getting thrown like that. That was it. They weren't Superman anymore. And that was part of the problem with like a long term with, with the roadies. It would have been, they would have definitely benefited from traveling the world and touching down into different promotions and not staying too long but the you know but the world changed and they they had to and also you know they would have been benefited from the wildness of outlaw wrestlers and for his time um hawk was every bit of what he looked like you know as the outlaw and that um that's a hell of a time and a hell of a lot of fun but it um but night after night, month after month, year after year, it takes a terrible toll. And, you know, you hope that, you know, there's going to be ups and downs of it, but you hope that there, um, there are lessons to be learned from it. And, and boy, the cost was way too much for that generation. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger. 
and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety and you can expect lots of it at the ProRes Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. The, the challenge of coming up with opponents who are credible against the Road Warriors was tough. And the AWA, like when the Road Warriors left AWA, that was what was left in their wake, is teams that were not stronger. I know, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and William Regal, or William Regal, <laughs> not William Regal, Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, completely different wrestler. They, that hurt the AWA that they were what was left. Exactly. The fabulous ones were damaged. Um, they tried to pass off uh, the Crusher and Baron Von Raschke's threats to the Road Warriors. And it was tough. I mean, I was a, I was young and, and willing to buy into the story that the promotion fed me if it had some credibility. But Crusher and Baron, it just, you know, it, it didn't feel right. I think the Freebirds, when Terry Gordy was around, were credible. But when he wasn't, when he was in Japan and it was Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts, ugh, it, it just, um, even that, I mean, they were good yeah, opponents for him. With, with Terry Gordy were the best. Yeah, like, Hayes the, and Gordy. The one where you like yeah. went and looked at him. And, you know, like as we're saying that, that Fritz wouldn't let the Von Erichs near, the, the Von Erich boys uh, yes. near the, the Road Wars yep. because it was going to be, um, you know, it was going to be like that. And then uh, they assembled, and this was like one of the more credible teams, and I remember the promo that then introduced him was Crusher Jerry Blackwell, the mainstay of the AWA, 400 pounds, he was fat uh, um not muscular and they brought in king kong bundy they had to call him boom boom bundy because they had changed bruiser brody's name to king kong bundy out of deference to bruiser uh dick the bruiser so there's all kinds of things going on but blackwell and bundy physically were imposing and felt like a threat and the awa had something there but it was difficult and then it was actually in jim crockett promotions where Nikita and Ivan Koloff and then Krusha Khrushchev added to the mix of the Russians. I know from reading the magazines, I didn't have cable, I wasn't able to see it, but I was like, finally they found in Nikita Koloff somebody who looked like it was Hawks equal. And it was one of those just true dream matchups of the 80s. And I think, I know it helps sell magazines, because well, I was going to buy them anyway, but the Road Warriors were a magazine-selling act, uh, like the Von Erichs were in Hulk Hogan and a variety of others. And that was a big story in the 80s too is how wrestlers would get over just through magazine covers around the country. But Nikita Koloff uh, was at Bruce speak to the, the path of credible opponents for the Warriors and where the Koloffs rank as, as in, in, in the context of the backstory I gave of, of the, the path that the Warriors took on their way to that ultimate opponent in the Russians. Yeah. It, you know, it's worth, it's worth kind of going back real quickly to talk about the fabulous ones because the fabulous ones were the cool, rock and roll tag team. I mean, they were, um, you know, I know people look back and go how they dressed and some of the, um, some of the promo works they did with their shirts off and all that, um, sent a different message for 2020 than it did for 1984 or something. But, um, those guys with the music and with the, with the moves and, and the toughness and that they showed against, um, the moon dogs and all that. They were, they were that team more than rock and roll express more than anybody. And, you know, Vern Gagne got them out of Memphis. Uh, they, they did business where it made Jerry Lawler 
jealous Stan Lane and Steve Kern and and brought them into the AWA and they were the new, you know they were the new thing before the Road Wars came, but because um, and then they got matched up with the Road Wars and the Road Wars were the heels and and the Fabs were the baby faces and the Fabs who could take a beating and fight back and all that and proved it with you know as stiff a team as ever was the Moon Dogs were would get eaten up too much by the road wars and then the road wars had the 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 cool theme and they had this thing that was going to appeal to males i mean i can remember when they you know first hit my friends all liked them you know like and i did too like i you know i i i liked them in um you know i liked them in georgia and all that and it's funny to me too like the briscoes would beat them i mean i think of jerry briscoe's like jerry jerry and jack would beat them in because they were owners of the promotion and also the truth of the matter was was that wrestlers could take wrestlers could actually take street fighters and and with, without any without much trouble and and so those guys would you know and the briscoes were a legendary team but um they um you know so you had the fabulous ones got hurt and they never recovered from their time with the road wars they were a really big deal and that opened up the that opened up the gate for the rock and roll in the midnight um and really um kind of took the wind out of Steve Kern in particular he was um you know he'd had the long team with Mike Graham and um that had been a mainstay in Florida and he just had kind of lost he lost his physical mojo in the ring and left Stan Lane out there to to you know, to, to join the midnight express, but, um, let but yeah, so that team, you know, that was a major team that got hurt with the road wars and then the road wars, the, the irony in watching this too, of Nikita Koloff, like the road wars would come in Jim Crockett promotions and make, um, and make cameo appearances. And they'd be around. And I remember one, you know, I remember going to Dorton arena and seeing them wrestle the Freebirds with Terry Gordy in a six man tag and um, just thinking, Oh, this is the match I wanted to see. And, and the birds won, but the birds didn't last as, as long there either. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. And so um, you had Nikita Koloff, who was one of the one of the guys who um, who bounced at, at Grammy B's for Eddie Sharkey. And um, and the Road Warriors went off and it became a viable team without very much um, training. And then as you and I like kind of learned in Iowa when we did, you know, when we interviewed Nikita, like Nikita had no training. Like Nikita just had that look. He had the traps. He was the closest thing to um, to Hawk that there was, you know, just for a guy standing there um, and being a bouncer. And so he got a job with Dusty Rhodes, hired him 
Jim Crockett Promotions hired him with no wrestling training, put him on the road with Don Cronodal and Ivan Koloff, who were both, you know, experienced hands in the ring, and they trained him on the road. They would literally put him in the ring to do one spot, then bring him back out and say, watch this, watch this, watch this. And they would train him. And the thing with Nikita was, because he looked so much like Hawk, because he had that that same type of you know muscular superhero body, steroid body, that he became, um, even though he was a Russian, he became popular too. And this was before Magnum T.A.'s accent. Anything. And they sold heel T-shirts of Nikita Koloff. Uh, there was a yellow shirt with um, with the Russian sickle on it and his face on it because fans, This you think about this, this is just so stupid. And how, and one of those things is not to the credit of the Crockett's. The Crockett's didn't have Road War t-shirts to sell to fans who would have bought them, you know, even if the Road Warriors weren't on the show. Um, but they could have done it. But they had Nikita Koloff shirts and so fans who wanted a Road Warrior shirt would buy a Nikita Koloff shirt because it was the closest thing you could get to Hawk anyway. And so then to put, you know, and, and the idea, you know, now with UFC, we know what the baddest man on the planet looks like. Or with Mike Tyson, we know what the baddest man on the planet looked like. And he fit this. But back then it was Mike Tyson. It was a, a, it was a certain muscular look. Warlord had to be one of the toughest guys on the planet because there was nobody with more muscle mass than he was. We didn't know, you know, like fans didn't know any better. So Hawk had to be one of the, uh, the toughest men on the planet and Animal had to be one of the toughest men on the planet. And the truth was they were pretty goddamn tough. And um, particularly, you know, Barbara Brawler types, they were, they were definitely that. And then Nikita and Ivan, Ivan was older, but he had... He had beaten Bruno Sammartino, and he had always been, you know, as credible as you got in the ring. And then Nikita, who was green as grass, but um, could do the trap move and could, you know, and had worked with Flair to learn how to get the most out of him and and all that, could go in there. And you wanted to, see, you know, you could imagine, oh, my God, what about Nikita um, at that at the peak of his steroidosity? versus hawk what's that going to look like and you would pay money to see that and they would tease it and then get it away you know get away from it. and um you know the road road wars are so over that dusty roads had to get on the team and be with them and to get you know and to get and to have a six-man tag team championship that he'd never been a part of before part of that was Freebirds and von erickson and world class having a six-man tag team championship but the other thing was um, he wanted to throw that face paint on himself and get in the ring and, and, and stand next to and, and his ego was such that he didn't realize that he shouldn't have been doing that, that, you know, stand next to the road wars and their, and, and their muscular glory. So, um, but yeah, the, the Coloss were the ones, the, the team that you couldn't figure out how the Rock and Roll Express were going to beat them. So what happens when the road warriors come down and, and fight them? And it, to me, that was the classic match of your imagination gave you a better fight that you want the, and, and spurred you on to buy tickets than you were going to get in the ring when they had the match. And that was where Crusher Khrushchev came in as the Buddy Roberts of the team of the guy, you know, you could, and, and Ivan Koloff too, like you could beat Ivan, you could beat Crusher. You just weren't going to beat, you just didn't want to beat Nikita and, um, and, and have that third one. So you could still, and you could beat a precious Paul as the manager of, of the babyface side. 
But but most of the time it's like you didn't want to be you know you didn't want to be either one, one of the teams and and then neither nobody could sell so the match wasn't all that great. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details. 30 plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad-free versions of the Wade Keller Podcast, Wade Keller Post Shows, and PW Torch Daily Casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of VIP exclusive podcast that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com. What's the influence of the Road Warriors on, on this industry? Would, would things be different had Hawk and Animal not done what they did the way that they did it, or was that that movement inevitable and evident elsewhere? Even if nobody, or and also, did they just set the bar too high for any sequels to actually work? Well, I think that um, there's a couple of things here. One of them is that Vincent Man's father never um, pushed uh, pushed tag team wrestling at the top of the show, where most of the other major league promotions would mix in tag team wrestling or would have their top um, wrestlers form tag teams and, and fight in main events. And it was a way to stretch out programs. It was a way to do so. Uh, and then, you know, the World Tag Team Championship was something that could headline a show, and it never did in Madison Square Garden. It never did. It was just, you know, it was just it was um, because they were pushing um, Bruno San Martino versus the Monsters. And, and, and it worked. And so... And and so that and that's what they educated their fans to, um, and so the Road Wars are kind of up against that, but they were head, you know, they were main eventers. They weren't second from the top. They were the top, and they could do that and and go around, go all over the world and do that. And so that was a big part of it. And then they were part of something, but then they were also part of something that man very much was a part of, which was wrestlers looked like action figures. In other words, wrestlers looked like um, were more had more muscle than anybody. You know, NFL players they were in um, some of them did, but they were in they were in uniform. They had helmets on; you couldn't tell. Basketball players, you might have a Carl Malone, but most of them, no, you weren't like that. But wrestlers were out there. You know, superstar Billy Graham being um, Vince McMahon's role model. Um, the superstar Billy Graham that was the WWF champion and Vincent Mann himself, you know, being have, you know, working to to have that level of muscularity and, you know, in his own life, even in the 70s and um, and wanting to be a wrestler and his father not letting him and, and that kind of thing. We saw how that all that played out. Um, they um, they had so many imitators and they were a part of you know, uh, of recruiting guys from the bar who looked, who were into weightlifting. 
that weren't into wrestling, that weren't watching wrestling, but this was a way to make money. If you were a bodybuilder and you want to be a competitive bodybuilder, that was expensive to do. And, you know, you can play, excuse me for this, but you can play the gay for pay game, but um, you were, you weren't probably going to make money. But then if you're a bodybuilder, they might hire you, um, you know, TBS might hire you, the WWF might hire you because of a certain look and then try to work around you and teach you to work enough that you could do something. And then there were just people that didn't understand wrestling that thought it was enough to look a certain way and not realizing that if you had too many people looking that way and they couldn't do anything and, you know, in the ring and they couldn't perform to whatever level the fans have been educated to, then there was just nothing you could do. You know, there was, um, you know, it just wasn't, um, you know, you look at Vladimir Pietrov who came out of that same um, bouncing um, culture in Minneapolis who came to replace Nikita Koloff in the Koloff team and then got arrested for dealing um, steroids on, on such a level that he went to jail and never came back to wrestling. But he looked great. I can remember as, as you know, as a fan thinking, this guy's going to kick ass. This is going to be fun to see him. And then watching him in the ring and watching him um, run, run from ring rope to ring rope <laughs> like he was a cat or something. It was just like he couldn't run. You know, it was like he was too, he was too muscle bound and it didn't, you know, it didn't work. They were too, but they, um, you know, they let, they were part of that generation, I'd say more than even Hulk Hogan, who inspired a lot of weightlifters to go into professional wrestling. Scott Norton made it. He became a good enough wrestler, particularly in Japan, that could make the best out of what he was, that he became, a, you know, a player. Um, but there was a lot of guys, you know, there was a, you know, there was a lot of guys that, um, that didn't. I mean, there was Kevin Nash who did. There was, you know, those kind of guys, but there was a lot of them that just there was a lot of bad wrestlers and a lot of bad wrestling in the 90s because of that and not looking at you know only went in there and picked those the two biggest bouncers and and but the thing was was both of them had star quality like it was um you know there was a certain amount of um just fate in it and if there's ever anybody who was you know made to be a professional wrestling personality of the eighties, um, it's Hawk. And since Hawk was the way he was that, um, you know, the, that animal could play off of him and be that great team member and give that last word and also be that guy that, as he said, you know, was just like Hawk would go out there and fly around and, and kick all that ass. And then, um, and then what you were left with the animal animal is just going to slam you and pin you. And so that was, that really fit, the whole psychology of it and, and everything, but they had, you know, they had star quality. They, you know, precious Paul, there was use, was useful, particularly behind the scenes as being the real manager of the team. But those two didn't need precious Paul like they, and they literally did carry him and they had a good group because, because Hawk and animal had enough charisma to carry, to carry him without any problem. All right, Bruce, let's, uh, well, just your final critique of the, the the framing of them and the story that was told on Dark Side of the Ring. Just a uh, short answer. What was included that shouldn't have been? What should have been included? Where was the weight? Where should they have put more more uh, weight on, on key aspects of their career and vice versa? I thought what they really did a good job with, and, and at the end of the day, it's a story of, of people, of, of a hawk and animal. 
And Animal was good talking about his friend and the frustrations of dealing with him and being a hu- being human about it. And it very much was of 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 getting too going too high the Icarus myth and um, getting too close to the flames and, and and costing you know costing Hawk his life. And I thought they and because they kept the um, because they kept the emphasis on the survivors on on animal on ellering on um scott nord uh you know i I mean i just thought um not scott nord scott norton um i thought they really did um a good job with it i thought like this was you know this wasn't one where where i watched it or i think anybody was going to watch it and go oh my god that was you know like this this great expose of something got there but it was it very much told the story of how living that life caught up to him and, and how it caught up to the road warriors. And, and I, I, I thought it was one of the best ones. Hey, Harley, remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission. You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events, getting the biggest matches every night. Yeah. Hmm. Vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter, a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling. From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling. Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles. Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch DailyCast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Let's uh, let's turn the page. Let's talk about Becky Lynch's announcement on Monday. Um, so many aspects to this story: the, the real life, personal aspect, and then the the way it affects WWE. You know, they they've lost Roman Reigns indefinitely. Uh, they're going to have a lot of big names not be around after WrestleMania in general. I mean, that's just the seasonal uh, aspect of it. It's what makes post WrestleMania exciting because you have the current full time people who are going to be around all the time getting opportunities they don't get when the Legacy stars who have earned the big WrestleMania moments take up a lot of TV time. It's a it's a it, you sort of hit the, re, the reset button and you get fresh feuds and maybe some new pushes that are exciting to watch. But you can only take so many people leaving, and they already had lost Roman Reigns. Uh, they put so much focus on on uh, Randy Orton and Edge, and until this week they had been gone for a while. And uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, uh, Ronda Rousey already out of the picture. You subtract Becky Lynch, and it's it has an impact. On this, uh, on the roster, and I didn't even bring up the fact that there's a number of wrestlers staying home because of COVID-19, not because they have it, because they don't want to get it. Um, so there's a, a big impact on losing Becky Lynch, who is arguably uh, their top star, and I think hard to argue against her being a top five attraction for uh, the Raw and SmackDown rosters. Uh, Bruce, your your top takeaway from what we saw on Monday and the news of it and the impact of it? Well, um, I, I thought that it was... Um one of the more poignant, um, you know, segments I had ever seen in wrestling. 
was right up there with Roman Reigns announcing that he had cancer and um, and maybe Daniel Bryan retiring. And, and there's been some and, and those things have something in common. They're real life. And that Becky Lynch at her best, you feel like and, and wrestlers at their best, you don't feel like they're a gimmick. You feel like they're a real person. Whether what they're doing is, you know, all the way a, a, a shoot or a work, you feel like you know this person. There's something that there's an element of truth in what they're portraying, and also Oscar. And um, as the booking has somehow gotten worse during the Empty Arena era, and and I'll and I'm not going to make a big speech about it, but I very much think that WWE and wrestling would be better off um, going on hiatus right now. And but this was but this was um, while it didn't make much sense, was a true reflection of who Becky Lynch was, and that she you know was dedicated to what she did, and that she worked so hard, and she had that personality that you could that wrestling fans um, took to and that um, and then Oscar with that goofy, you know, I'm a, I'm a child because I can't speak English. And I, I start yelling like a child would because I'm so enthusiastic and all that. That's not, even though that that's gotten her more time and, and made them, made them happier with her, the management, what really gets her, over i think with wrestling fans is that they recognize her quality like she's really good and that there was a truth in um her getting that championship and no and it made no sense to like why you wouldn't like say okay you know make the announcement the night before or anything like that you're going to do it for the rating and all that but um oscar's real life joy in in getting the job and then also her real life joy for her friend Becky and and vice versa, I thought made for really compelling real television. And um, I very much liked it in that sense. And it is how life goes. Um, you know, women get pregnant and it changes what they're, um, you know, and it changes their careers. And sometimes it changes it in ways that are not fair as far as um, men and women go. But, it, you know, it happens. The, the teacher gets pregnant in the middle of the school year. She wasn't planning to. She has to leave the class. And someone has to come in, and, and that there's all kinds of ramifications for that and, and, and take her place. And the thing I didn't like was how um, – I, I didn't like how Seth Rollins was, was, was portrayed. To me, this would have been a show to congratulate Seth Rollins to. to like, it, it's not like that, that, that Monday Night Messiah – gimmick is is so um authentic to to keep going with that 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 you couldn't put that to us to the side or just have him go back I, I think seth rollins ought to be seth rollins the professional wrestler who cheats but to win to win the championship not some layered on gimmick on top of it to like lead the because you can't because who would believe anybody wanting to have a fake championship so he has to want to lead the locker room and whatever the hell that means it's it, you know like that stuff doesn't work but just to have him you know just when they're congrats when they're congratulating have him take the congratulations and um and not look halfway through Jesus going to get up on the cross and a guy who's you know who's shocked at, at having a baby because he's not shocked he's happy so just go ahead and just go ahead and let everybody um, 
everybody bond to him the way they were bonding to Becky. But I, I thought that that was, that was really good. Becky, not knowing when Becky, if Becky will come back, because that's reality too. But as far as pregnancies go, as far as having babies go. And then um, even if she does, it's going to be more than, you know, it's, you've got to figure it's going to be about a year at, at the most. Um, that at the put, least. At the least, yes. Yes, at the least. And that puts, um, you know, the women's division, she was the one that got put over. She was the one that, um, and that you can, you can talk about whether it was working all the time or not. And that's a, that's a, um, that's a worthwhile debate, but she was the one more than anybody else. You know, it was her of the ones that were left. It was her and, um, and, and Charlotte, but Charlotte is a, a clear number two and Charlotte, you know, they, they haven't been comfortable booking Charlotte very much. And so you've got, you know, the couple from, um, you've got a couple coming in from, um, from NXT and you've got Bailey and Sasha Banks and, and Sasha has her ups and downs as far as that goes. And um, I think she's got the star quality, but she doesn't have the, the staying power and, and Bailey's Bailey's okay. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, again, it's not the the best time for, you know, for that. And that's how life will go sometimes too. I think it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't have any sense that this was planned, but on the other hand, um, if I was going to take time to have, if I was a professional wrestler, I was going to take time to have kids. This would be the time to do it. If I could stay with yeah. the company yeah. and, and I'll just be honest. I mean, it's like, and, and the point I'm trying to make here is not that they did that, not that she's doing that, but when she comes back, if she decides to come back, when she comes back and the, and if the crowds are back and things are back to whatever, you know, whatever the next um, chapter is in all this, then she's going to be, they're going to have missed her, that she's going to be at, she's going to have this opportunity to step up and really um, make hay while the sun shines. And so will Roman Reigns um, instead of, you know, and, 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 you know, and Drew McIntyre, you hope is going to get credit for holding the fort when it really needed to be held. You know that's the, with him, but there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of these guys and and a lot of these guys and, and women too that are going to be um, hurt by being in in poorly done things and also in front of nobody, you know, in front of not much of a crowd and on shows that are longer than they should be. Becky leaving, I I think is you know comparable to Roman Reigns taking time off and with the idea he might come back. Um, it also, I think, is jarring in the way that CM Punk was. With, but you got the the, the departure speech um, in the in the you know the good news of of why she's leaving. Uh, but it does leave a void because she's leaving on top. And and you know when you run down the women's roster and you run down the roster in general, she was someone who man you would want around right now. And it is uh, it is a loss. It, it does. I think they are in good shape with Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley. Just to name two, and I think uh, there's a handful of of women in NXT who now will have who are going to want to make the argument. Call me up sooner. 
um, assuming they want to be. And if there's more money and more opportunity, I, I think many of them will want that, even at this time under these circumstances. I, I don't think WWE is in terrible shape, but they got to book it the right way. And, you know, they have to do a good job with it. And, and we'll see we'll see who, who ends up benefiting. I think Rhea Ripley is probably the one who stands to benefit the most from Becky's departure because I think their characters, while different, are more similar than anyone else I can think of to Becky. Yeah, I do too. And I, I will say this too. Shayna Baszler and her anti-mom um, heel promo, it's like you don't have to do that kind of crap. It doesn't get – and no one believes you. Like, no, you know, it's like it's not believable. It looks like, oh, okay, let's say something shocking that's going to piss people off because that's what heels do. And it's like, no. And like, I, I thought that was just stupid. And Baszler, you could have Baszler, you know, not really care about it or, um, you know, not congratulate her, just be so focused on her goal of, you know, her goal of being the champion that, that, she doesn't care on the air, but, but, to, but to sit there and cut a promo on a baby who is yet to be born and be careful about saying anything offensive, you just, you know, there's creativity. And then the, you know, that's what like just frustrates the hell out of me with watching a lot of this WWE stuff is they've got, they've got these writers from places other than wrestling and they're trying to do things that are, um, that are non-wrestling but entertaining and they don't hold up at all. They're like really incompetent. And I can't like, you know, what are you doing? And, and like, that was one of them. It's like, it's like since when is like that character in that position going to like, you're you know, going to say, you know, you could do a lot of that with a little, you know, Oh, lucky for her. I'm not going to beat her for a championship. You know, like she got out of my way or something like that. that's all you had to say. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, that baby, you know, that baby is going to be a leech. It's like, nobody likes, you know, nobody really like says that like is, is that type of, yeah. you know, it's just not very realistic or very anything except for, Ooh, let's push your button and, and you'll hate her. And like, no, you won't. You just think it's stupid. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at pwtorchdailycast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. Alright, let's uh, we've got ratings, so we might as well just address them uh, quickly, not a super newsworthy uh, we, uh, wait, before, you, before you do ratings, uh, you know, I just want to say we had the basketball. So next week, I can't wait till we have the watermelon eating contest. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I knew you were going to like react that way and I don't blame you, but yeah. that that's what they did. Like you can't, t- and then, and then again, it's like working basketball games is something that's been entertaining for a hundred, you know, for like 75 years. It's called the Harlem Globetrotters. There are ways to like work something. <laughs> and it made me think, you know what I'd like to see? If you're going to kill 10 minutes or 15 minutes of a three hour show, go find the wrestlers who can play basketball and, um, let them and put them in a game, you know, put them in a real game to, to, I don't know, 10 and let them play. Let me see that. Like, instead of whatever that was supposed to be, it's like that, that had no thought, no nothing. And it was, um, you know, it was making fun of the fat white guys and making fun of the, of black guys who only know how to play basketball. It's like, it, it just sucked. I, I, the punchline that the Viking Raiders could have won all along, but were just, you know, not, not trying so they could gloat about losing 76 to two made no sense either. Like they couldn't, they yeah. added this like thing at the end that undercuts everything that I think they're trying to do and whatever they do next. And it was like, Oh, here, this will be a fun twist at the end. And it was like, no, just let, just let the Viking Raiders be lose at basket. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about as far as um, if you have these people who are creative in your creative team that you brought on to do things besides wrestling and to help you with that, that's where they should have like had something type that would have worked that as just something that would have entertained you. Now, now, you know, that didn't lead to a match between them or anything like that. But, um, you know, the street profits, like the only thing you could think of is basketball. And then the, um, you know, and, and, and then the Viking Raiders, they're not warriors. They're the guys that go to the Renaissance fair. Like, uh, you know, in other words, you're, you're like demeaning both groups for what? And, and yeah. And then it didn't make any sense. It's like, come on, you, you know, like, I know I, I grew up watching those, you know, I went to see the Harlem Globetrotters. I knew it was, I knew that it was a put on, but they told the story and it was fun and all that. And, you know, you, there's something, maybe you could do something. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know, have them go out there and bowl against each other or something. I just can't, um, but like why you have to like screw it up because one of them can shoot, one of them has a consistent set shot. Great. Yeah. But what does that even mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so ratings are in. Uh, AW another win by a, a little bit, a little bit smaller margin, six hundred fifty-four thousand to six hundred four thousand live viewership. So fifty thousand viewer win. Uh, both shows down this week. Um, in fact, it's uh, AW's I think lowest viewership. Um, I've got the last seven weeks in front of me, and uh, and uh, it, but it's not NXT's lows because they drew fewer on April first. But both shows down after uh, big shows last week. They I don't know if it shows that like hyping specific lineups um, is is really important, but neither show went as far as they did last week to make it seem like a big show, and and they ended up and it and neither were and they lost some viewers. So I think that's interesting. The demo rating still a two to one margin of victory for. AEW over NXT in the 18 to 34 male group, um, 0.16 to 0.8, but they're back down to normal in terms of that range. Last week, the 0.24 demo rating uh, for AEW was better than Raw's in the in the men 18 to 34 rating, but that seemed like an outlier. Uh, it was so far above what they had been doing, and now it's right back to average. Um, so anyway, I don't know if there's a big takeaway from that, Bruce. Kind of, I think you would expect viewership to be down, and you'd expect AEW to probably keep a lead, but have it shrink a little. So. Um, I, I don't know. Makes it seem like ratings are legit <laughs> that they actually are scientific. Well, um, yeah, and Raw, like you know, Raw had a had a had an uptick 
coming out of um, Money in the Bank. Well, when you and, advertise Edge and Orton and a big announcement from Becky all day on social media, you're going to get right. an uptick, yeah. Right, right. And, and, but, but they had it. And to me, it, it comes down to – people heard – I hope you heard my speech. I know I annoyed some people with it, and I'm glad. Um, on the roundtable, it's like you're going to have this shearing away of the audience with um, – with a with with empty arena shows and you're going to you're going to damage your core product and little by little and and maybe it hits maybe it hits where there's a core that just sticks with it and it, you don't have any more coming down or maybe it just keeps going but i really do i really do think it would behoove everybody to get to to at least explore the options seriously with the networks like a, like really seriously and go through and see because, um, you know, an absence and then coming back with, you know, coming back with network, um, with network contracts and coming back with full arenas and, and absence, um, and fresher, you know, and fresher stuff, I think is just a lot, a lot better thing. And I thought Wednesday night show, I didn't like Monday show at all, but I, raw show, but I thought both NXT and AEW did well with what you could do like with what was there and 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 for the most part didn't make you tear your hair out at all but i think that it's just it's just something endemic in um professional wrestling as a performance that you need that you need fans reacting to that performance and more than just um a few out in the audience that AEW has i mean you know a few fake ones so um yeah i mean that's I'm not surprised at that. It's like it's it's following the um, the trend. It's going down a little bit, a little bit. And then you know, what point is it? Like, oh my gosh, we got a problem. And to me, it's like you want to get you want to get out of there before you have that problem, and then come back with, oh, people are ready to watch again, and they're celebrating coming back into society again. And wow, I forgot how good this could be. Like, you know, get your stuff together. And and but like I said, I thought Wednesday night shows were. We're good, but I'm not surprised that at, at, that that follows the pattern we've seen yeah. as far as right. Let's talk about Mike Tyson. Um, they inserted that announcement into the pre-tape show. I, a lot, I think if it was live, they would have had more more opportunity to make big hoopla out of it. But how big of a deal is it to have Mike Tyson probably closing out Double or Nothing, presenting the uh, TNT Championship of AEW to either Lance Archer or Cody? Um, and, and is it, is it, is he a celebrity that is fair game for AEW to, to select for, uh, giving publicity slash a payday perhaps, um, or should they stay away from, from him because of, uh, you know, his past controversy? Where, where are you on that? Um, I think that his public image, he's worked on this public image and the fact that, and he is, you know, and he went to, j- he went to jail for rape and, and he's done his time and he seems like a reasonable person now, whether he is or not is another thing. But, um, but that's where he asks. And he always has the Mike Tyson is, is tough. And between the face tattoos and how his body looks and how he can express himself, even at the age of 53, you know, when the um, news came out last week, that he was looking to fight exhibitions and that he was, uh, and I just laughed. I mean, it was like the classic boxing as wrestling gimmick. Um, 
oh, he's as fast as a 21 year old. He has the, you know, he, he's got the, you know, he can, uh, he can move quick and he's got the hand speed and he's got all this, you know, from his trainer. And I want to fight, you know, I want to fight some exhibitions against, you know, you know, rematch, um, what's his face and, and all that. I was like, okay, what they ought to do is, um, and I put this on Twitter, what they ought to do is, is do another, um, brawl for all. And whoever wins that wrestle, you know, fights in a boxing match, Mike Tyson at WrestleMania, because Mike Tyson in a boxing match at WrestleMania would add some, would add, um, some people want to see it to it, even though it's, even though it's, you know, a farce, even though it would be terrible. And the idea that this guy fighting exhibitions at the age of 53, after he's already, you know, after he's already had his boxing career and he went all the way up and then went, you know, and, and came down too because he, you know, because physically couldn't do it. And then also fought, fought real fighters, better fighters than he was. Um, then, you know, it, it, it's a danger. It's, it's like, it's what I don't like about, um, mixed martial arts having those, um, you know, having those legends fight each other. It's a dangerous thing. It's not, they're not, you know, it's a, it's that competition. But anyway, I, I thought this man is going to be grabbing Tyson, I would think. And so for AEW to grab him and put him in, um, you know, and, and have him present this title, um, you know, is this going to be an angle? Because when it was an angle with Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels and DX and, and McMahon, you know, all those years ago, it, it was the key angle in the wrestling world. Yeah. It, you know, big money. But that's 20-some years ago. And while Tyson, I think, will always have that baddest man on the planet are, no matter how old he is, um, it's not as big now. And you've also got, you know, he could have that then without UFC in the way. There was UFC, but but for most people, you know, UFC wasn't anywhere near as well known. And and so, um, but yeah, I think this was also wrestling war. I think that Tony Khan signed, um, you know, signed Tyson to something. And whether it turns out that that McMahon uses him and WWE uses him um, as the year goes on, I don't know, and maybe they don't, but. Um, or does, or does um, Khan, who's shown himself to be, you know, a canny manipulator, a canny booker, does he have something in mind coming out of this? And um, and it, you know, and it does kind of fit to me, Cody, you know, Cody Rhodes and the world television title that his father held, and and all that. Although I don't know whether he's going to um, win this or not, but yeah, I think it, I think it's just um, it gives something to hang at least one show on see Mike Tyson. Yeah. You know. you know, they're charging regular price, 50 bucks for the pay-per-view and a chance to see Mike Tyson and wonder what might happen is an added value to right. uh, a pay-per-view. Uh, a Mike Tyson, Lance Archer match to try to move Lance Archer to the next level um, is intriguing. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't rule out an angle. I mean, having him in the presence of Lance Archer, whether it's Archer winning the title and being disrespectful to Tyson during the presentation or Archer loses and he gets, you know, he, he tries to take the belt away from Tyson before he's presenting it to Cody or whatever. I mean, you can come up with a dozen random examples off your head. There is potential there for something more than just smiling and holding the arm up and the show goes off the air. Well, yeah. And then if you're doing that, I mean, um, I'm thinking MJF because to me, MJF is already, (laughs) yeah. 
has that part of being a chicken. You know, he had the hangnail. He had the, so he can dodge Tyson and do all the talking. And then when you get to the end and Ty, you know, he ha- he's forced into a match with Tyson because Cody sets it up. Um, then, um, you know, Tyson can, Tyson can hit him with one punch and him go down. And, you know, and then Tyson goes on to what, o- what other, other things that he does, what other, whatever, what other exhibitions he's a part of. And MJF, um, you know, benefits from being that, you know, that heel, he deserves it so much and he knows he does and he's running from it. And then the ultimate guy to give it to you, the, you know, the knockout King does give it to you and, and, and reminds everybody of, of, you know, in the eighties when Tyson was the guy to watch in boxing, just because whoever they put him, you know, the tomato can, they put him up against that guy. He wasn't going eight rounds with him. He was going to knock him out spectacularly. And I still always look back and go, to me, the most exciting thing in sports always was the knockout. So when, um, you know, when you hear, oh, the, we were talking about this the other night, like the two and a half hour wrestling show is not a long enough thing. We we're talking about it in a different way. But when WWE would talk about um, the, the big fight on UFC that would end, that would end really quickly because one guy got knocked out, I'm just like, well, you got your entertainment value. That's your entertainment value is the dramatic um, winning and losing. And um, not just that it didn't go five rounds of grinded out or go 20 minutes of the same, you know, main event wrestling style that every match has that WWE sometimes falls into. Um, You brought up MGF. I brought up Lance Archer. I'm super intrigued with somebody who declared himself on Twitter the best wrestler in the world. He said he feels it's the first time it's true, even though he said it many times since, um, in 10 or 15 years. Uh, Chris Jericho and Mike Tyson might be the most... Uh, oh, gosh. Just ready, ready to go. I mean, uh, it just... It just <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of work you have to do to make that work. Jericho needling Tyson and Tyson um, responding and seeing those two stand opposite of each other, similar in height, by the way... Um, is, I mean, I, the, the the only reason not to do that and choose that is because you want to give a rub to an MJF or you want to give a rub to a Lance Archer. But what's going to get you the best television? Chris Jericho as a heel, antagonizing and needling Tyson, which, by the way, you could parlay into Jericho eventually, you know, turning babyface too with Tyson, but that's getting ahead of things. Your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, and particularly if, you know, if um, Chris Jericho – you know, he's he's at the part of his career where he's whether he realizes it or not. And he can he is in the discussion of best wrestler in the world of all the things that wrestlers do. He's in that discussion very much. So I yeah. think and it's not just that discussion is not just um, is not just in the ring, but it is in the ring. That's an important part of it. But as far as just all the things, the positive, impactful ways that wrestlers are, he's right there. And, um, and then also has the years of, it's funny to me, you know, when he said that, I, I just kind of thought of, you know, vanilla midgets. Cause you always do think of that in certain ways that you've been watching for a long time, but his career has surpassed Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he is, he has been more positive at, at a higher level they might have the positive peak over him, but they have so many more negatives. And then he's lasted so much longer and then, you know, changed up so much that he has been important in so, so many ways. I mean, he's, you know, he's in the all time 
he's in the all-time pantheon of of wrestling as far as everything that wrestlers do in positive ways. And um, so, you know, I thought it was an odd time to say it. I'm not sure I'd want to say I'm the best in the world during the quarantine, but I want, might want to make till everything. But he is um, he's got a lot to be proud of. I mean, there's no doubt. And then the fact that he's able to adjust to the quarantine as well as anybody has, you know, and be, um, you know, and, and even do what he did with Sugar Duncan. Like, you know, th- th- I've seen that guy for years and I didn't know whether he was going to, you know, he was a Quackenbush guy and, and whether he was going to get a chance to, hey, he's really good at that, st- at that Shikara style, but whether he was ever going, going to get a chance to do what he did with that. And I very much like AEW taking somebody putting them on television, beating them, making it clear, and what Jericho did with that, um, but giving him some exposure and giving him some, you know, you know, balls to, to, to fight back, and then Jericho's wearing his shirt, and as far as Le Champion goes, him wearing his shirt was a dick move. You know, it was like it was an arrogant move, and then as a real-life move, it was a pretty cool move. You know, it was like giving this guy, you know, giving this guy some extra exposure. Maybe he'll, he'll sell some shirts. And it tells a long-term story of either, um, you know, Pineapple Pete comes back and, and is able to um, make, you know, you know, get a win over somebody or do something there, or he doesn't. And then the next guy comes in for special, you know, for, uh, you know, to be, used in that way and i've liked that they you know they did that with colt cabana too where they've like i'm giving you two stories um even though you knew which which story really counted more to 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 get to raise the stakes but then the next um indie guy that comes in that wrestles you know can he win or not and then the day comes when one of them does win and joins the roster um that win is going to mean a lot more um, because they had the people that didn't quite make it. And, um, and I think that, you know, I think that, um, that instead of just going in and losing, you know, just, Hey, he's the guy across the ring and he loses, um, telling that story and it, and it puts over Jericho, the champion as a dick and, you know, he cheated and to win, but I liked how that all that played out in more than one level. It played out and here's a boost to a guy that we're not signing who deserves it. Who's carried a lot of respect, um, but hasn't made, you know, hasn't been in the affluent part of the business, and then um, and it will help him with exposure, but it also um, counts with the character and the stories that they're telling on television. I thought that was a really cool deal. Audible is offering listeners of this podcast a free edition of Jim Ross's Under the Black Hat or for that matter, any book title of your choosing in their vast collection of thousands and thousands of books if you go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. That's right. Jim Ross's Under the Black Hat came out just a couple weeks ago, available to you right now for free. In his new book, he goes into uh, detail that I haven't heard before. There's one point pretty early in the book where he says, I'd call it the damn Flair versus Steamboat trilogy, and now I was trying to get punch holes to line up in the stupid paper on my stupid desk. I wanted to be on the front lines, not behind a desk. Go check out the new Jim Ross memoir 
of his time in WWE with some great stories from years and years ago and more recently. That's under the black hat at audible.com slash PWTorch. Now, it's not just pro wrestling books, and it's not just books. Audible is much more than audiobooks. They have podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performance, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. There are thousands of titles. In fact, if you listen to everything on Audible, you'd be listening for more than three centuries to catch up. Of course, you could dial up your narration speed and maybe cut it down to a century and a half. Anyway, Audible helps people get more stories and information through the gift of found time. It allows people to listen while commuting, cooking, exercising, gardening, or relaxing at home. A recent Pew study found that 27% of adults say they haven't read a single book in the past year, up from 19% in 2011. Lack of time being the main reason. So, why not listen to your books, and then you can, you know, tell your friends how many books you read this year. One of the non-wrestling titles I'm listening to right now is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow about the Harvey Weinstein situation. And uh, it's a fascinating look behind the scenes at uh, power and corruption and denial um, within a news organization and the frustration that he had within NBC News trying to get uh, this story out. It's it's a well-told story. It's fascinating and uh, kind of chilling. Also, I'm uh, listening to an Alfred Hitchcock biography. I've been watching some old Alfred Hitchcock movies in recent weeks as I've had more time at home and less time away from home, and I wanted to learn more about him and the movies he made. Whatever interests you this month, uh, Audible's got a book that will let you do a deep dive into it or just be entertained and escape. So again, go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. And that's important for a lot of people right now. We're living in a time right now where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of routines that have been broken, and it can shake us up a little bit. Some guided meditation might help. This might be the time to uh, check that out, and Audible is a way to do that. So go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Um, speaking of DX and uh, a little while ago, making a uh, uh, comparison with them, they uh, they announced In Your House, uh, the new NXT TakeOver uh, coming up early next month. Uh, your thoughts on, on the uh, the TakeOver special pulling up, pulling from the uh, the nostalgia of the In Your House theme and what you think they'll make of that? Um, a couple of things. One, I, I actually heard this before. I, I, went back, I was watching both shows and I missed the segment. I went back and watched. I got a big kick out of uh, out of the three of them, out of DX and you know, and Armstrong too, Brian, Brian James. Um, all three just going, yeah, that um, that 25th anniversary thing sucked, and just kind of doing their own little comedy stuff back and forth. Um, but um, I thought. Number one, having the old guys in NXT do the nostalgia, I don't think that's – they're not part – NXT is about – as a brand, whether it's developmental or or its own brand, it's about the new. It's not about that. And so to do that – and then and then I know that a lot of people are listening to this and a lot of people that are wrestling fans, they do remember In Your House. And there is a certain nostalgia for it. And there's and, and there's a cute joke that I missed, which is, well, we're all in our house watching it. Um, but, you know, the, the, the primary colors and all that, like, the thing was a flop. 
it was an idea to run, you know, it was decided to run some more pay-per-views for a cheaper price and it didn't work. They, you know, WWE realized, Hey, we can war- run more pay-per-views at the same price and the same amount of people will buy them. And they got rid of in your house and giving away a house is just cheesy and corny and all the rest of it. It's like, and then it hits to something that has been, that's a major, um, like turnoff to me for years and that is the generic name of the wrestling show. And it's been going on for so long that people think it's um, it's hallowed tradition. It's almost like getting in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like, oh, my God, if you get in the WWE Hall of Fame, that, you know, like, why is it so-and-so in the WWE Hall of Fame? Like, that thing is so over. And, um, you know, um, quarantine, um, you know, WWE, quarantine, coming next. It's like this name that is generic, that means nothing that, um, and, and, you know, every indie show names themselves something and all that. And instead, why don't you just do, why don't you just put in your name the thing you think is the most sale worthy thing in, of it? Why isn't this NXT Matt Riddle versus, versus Timothy Thatcher? If that's the main event, I'm not saying it is, but if that's the main event, why don't you do what UFC is starting to do now? UFC 249, take your main event and put it right there and say that's what it is and that's what you're doing, not not some uh, something that from 25 years ago that people sort of remember in your house that's a cute little pun, you're going to watch it in your house. Like like you're at the end of the day, you're still pushing the you still got something that you're featuring in the main event because you think it's the thing that will that will interest the most people to watch you to sell the most tickets to get the most subscriptions do that you know it, it, it's that and the you know that and the independent wrestling poster with 40 guys on the poster like even if the two guys that you have in your main event no one's ever heard of pretend like they have and put them in dramatic facing each other and say you know Joe Blow versus Blow Joe. I mean, it's like, just do that. You know, just just have it and, and act like it's important until it becomes important. If there's anything you can learn from Vincent Mann, it's like, act like something's important until it becomes important, uh, you know, until, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy until it becomes important. That's what, that's how he really got over with WrestleMania and, and some other things. And And so, yeah, I didn't like that. I was like, I was like, you have this, yeah. You and NXT, you can look at the um, the demos and go, you know, they they have the older demo, but they should have the younger demo. And this doesn't help. This doesn't do anything. So anyway, all right. I, I had a lot to crab about that. Yes. And now I'm finished. Uh, <laughs> um, one other thing here: Vince McMahon, Oliver Luck, XFL. Uh, what's your take? I mean, you know, I'm not. I don't have all the documents in front of me and this is why it's going to be in the hands of lawyers and, and judges and all that. But I mean, man, there's a fight going on here. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that visit man found someone, um, and his legal people have found someone not to play with. Yeah. Oliver luck that, that Oliver luck said, you know, you know, he has, he has a real reputation in the mainstream. It's like, okay, what are you firing me for? You've got to show it. And it can't just be this man's a weirdo and doesn't understand that someone would like that a normal person um, might go home because of this pandemic that we've never seen before and do his work there. And, you know, looking at the one that cracked me up was, I mean, this is high dollar stuff. This is 20, 
eight million dollars. And one of the reasons why you know McMahon hired this guy was his reputation. Like he has a real reputation in the sports world. And and one of the things he's complaining about was how he used the phone that he was given. How he used his corporate phone. Did he use his corporate phone for just corporate? You know, like that level of petty. Because McMahon's used to, you know, used to putting pressure on people who are in the wrestling business who think, well, even if this is going bad, I don't want to, like, fight it to the end and never come back to him. He might bring me back. Oliver Luck doesn't care, and then he's going to, like, fight it for real. And um, and then for this to go public tells me that McMahon and the, McMahon's not handling this very well. Like, this is the classic yeah. thing that'll to go away in my non-lawyer um, thing. But when I'm looking at what did a guy at this level of corporate management, like he didn't use the, he didn't use the iPhone they gave him correctly. You know, you know, it'd be one thing, wait, if you, you pay for me to have an iPhone and then I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but like the, some of the computer stuff I use from you, I watch Netflix on but, you know, and I think, like, that's really petty, but that would be something at, at our level you would kind of do. But it's like at that level, like that, I, I thought that that made, that made McMahon look – the stuff that that he's claiming to be able to breach the contract on yeah. didn't seem like the kind of thing that you could do that with. Like that kind, of, that kind of thing. If the guy can just go, yeah, I was working. Here's my stuff, and here's what I was working. Like he's going to have to pay up. Yes. Yep. I agree. Uh, Bruce, we didn't get to uh, answer many emails, but we did uh, get an email from DK from Maryland who just said, Hey, Wade, Bruce is the best. That's all. I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good start and finish to our mailbag segment. We went so long on other stuff. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Seriously, appreciate yep. that. Cool. So uh, check out Bruce uh, doing podcasts multiple times per week for VIP members. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. And uh, then also uh, check out his writing in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter and follow him on Twitter at Bruce. B. Mitchell, PW Torch. Is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your Twitter? At yep. Mitchell, PW Torch. At Mitchell, PW Torch. That is correct. Um, but yeah, that, that was that's a nice way to end too. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> All right. One of the great benefits that comes with a VIP membership is access to our unmatched library of Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. In the late 1980s and 1990s, before the internet, pro wrestling was documented in print newsletters, contemporaneously packing a week's worth of news and results and Q&A interviews with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest newsmakers in the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch weekly newsletter. When you become a VIP member, you instantly gain access on our PW Torch VIP website to a year-by-year listing of all 50-plus back issues from every year dating back to the late 1980s through today. And every week, we update the format of our 20 years ago back issues with PDF and all-text format that makes it easier to read on your phone or your tablet. And the latest 20 years ago back issue postings have been a fascinating time 
in the pro wrestling industry. Going back to the April 1st, 2000 issue, the cover story headline, Bischoff and Russo given a second chance. The opening line of the cover story, WCW needed a big shakeup because status quo was leading them downhill fast. Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo, two contributors to the problems WCW is having, have been brought back as a team to save WCW. And there's an in-depth cover story on that, along with a lot of other news in that issue, including a feature column by Bruce Mitchell. And my preview of WrestleMania. And then we marched through April. The next headline was WrestleMania 2000. Triple H retains the title. The next week, the cover story is on the relaunch of Nitro after WCW took a week off. Plus, a cover sidebar reports on ECW champion Mike Awesome's attempt to jump to WCW without dropping the ECW title first. And part one of my Torch Talk interview with Lance Storm. And then the uh, April 22nd issue opens with a cover story on Nitro's crashing ratings after just two weeks of Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff in charge. Plus, a feature editorial that I wrote regarding Russo's booking style and my EndNotes editorial on the Russo-Hogan dynamic, plus coverage of WCW Spring Stampede and more. So when you go VIP, you get access to dive in-depth on those 20th anniversary issues, or any era you want to read about, whether it's the mid-90s or just three, four, five years ago. So, go VIP. Full details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. I know a lot of you are diving into WWE Network archives and watching old content on different streaming services. Well, there's no better companion when you do that than reading our coverage in the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter dating back to the late 1980s. Bring up our match report, our star ratings, our news coverage of that era, or just settle in and read fascinating interviews with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest names and their longest form interviews talking about the inner workings of the wrestling industry before there were podcasts with wrestlers hosting and talking about such things. The, the Torch Talk series was the only place you could go for long form interviews with Pro Wrestling's newsmakers. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. In times like these, in times like these, I think you'll get more out of a PWTorch VIP membership than ever. So check it out. Audible is offering listeners of this podcast a free edition of Jim Ross's Under the Black Hat, or for that matter, any book title of your choosing in their vast collection of thousands and thousands of books if you go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. That's right. Jim Ross is Under the Black Hat. Came out just a couple weeks ago. Available to you right now for free. In his new book, he goes into uh, detail that I haven't heard before. There's one point pretty early in the book where he says, I'd called the damn Flair vs. Steamboat trilogy, and now I was trying to get punch holes to line up in the stupid paper on my stupid desk. I wanted to be on the front lines, not behind a desk. Go check out the new Jim Ross memoir of his time in WWE with some great stories from years and years ago and more recently. That's under the black hat at audible.com slash PWTorch. Now, it's not just pro wrestling books, and it's not just books. Audible is much more than audiobooks. They have podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performance, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. There are Thousands of titles. In fact, if you listen to everything on Audible, you'd be listening for more than three centuries to catch up. Of course, you could dial up your narration speed and maybe cut it down to a century and a half. Anyway, 
Audible helps people get more stories and information through the gift of found time. It allows people to listen while commuting, cooking, exercising, gardening, or relaxing at home. A recent Pew study found that 27% of adults say they haven't read a single book in the past year, up from 19% in 2011. Lack of time being the main reason. So why not listen to your books and then you can, you know, tell your friends how many books you read this year. One of the non-wrestling titles I'm listening to right now is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow about the Harvey Weinstein situation. And uh, it's a fascinating look behind the scenes at uh, power and corruption and denial um, within a news organization and the frustration that he had within NBC News trying to get uh, this story out. It's it's a well-told story. It's fascinating and uh, kind of chilling. Also, I'm uh, listening to an Alfred Hitchcock biography. I've been watching some old Alfred Hitchcock movies in recent weeks as I've had more time at home and less time away from home, and I wanted to learn more about him and the movies he made. Whatever interests you this month, uh, Audible's got a book that will let you do a deep dive into it or just be entertained and escape. So again, go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. And that's important for a lot of people right now. We're living in a time right now where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of routines that have been broken, and it can shake us up a little bit. Some guided meditation might help. This might be the time to uh, check that out, and Audible is a way to do that. So go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com.